Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Father, all praise, honor, and glory to you, the King, who is above all, who is in all, who is all. Father, we give you our praise, our glory, our lives, our hearts, our soul, our mind, and strength. That's our worship to you. We offer to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, once again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. Glad you're here today. Glad you're tuned in or watching on the other side of the camera. Glad we get to spend this part of our weekends together. I want to mention a couple things to you just by way of announcement as we get going. Uh, we are working on a schedule uh, for you to have a chance to get to know Noah and Kara Rose, our new staff members. We've got about four or five spots left between now and the end of November, so if you would love to host them and share a meal with them, uh, just see me after the service. i got my clipboard in the back. You can find me. We'll get you signed up. And uh, we, had a, we had a great time. We took them out to dinner last night. Our family did. Had a wonderful time sitting around and telling stories and getting to know each other a little bit better. And we want that for you. We want you to be able to start building relationships with Noah and Kara and for them to start building relationships with you and your family so we hope that you'll participate in that also want to mention too that next Sunday night next Sunday evening one week from tonight is our next 608 service uh, these happen at 608 p.m. that's how creative we are around here that's what we called it 608 p.m. next Sunday evening for a night of worship we hope you'll be here It'll be inside uh, so we'll be in here uh, next Sunday evening for the 608 service we would love to have you here to participate in that uh, just a wonderful time of, uh, of worshiping together some prayer together and uh, we'll, hope, we'll hope that we will see you there uh, as well um, we are uh, let me again say to you welcome home uh, that's what we're doing this fall is this theme welcome home and we've turned our attention the last couple of weeks and through here throughout the month of October to your home and what we're looking at is this idea of uncommon families can we create uncommon families because common just doesn't work anymore if we didn't learn anything else over the last 18 months through lockdown and pandemic and quarantine and all those things is that normal is not normal and common just doesn't work anymore because what's common in families right now is divorce and dysfunction and depression and codependency and resentment and not talking to each other for years. And we just think it should be better than that. We think it could be better than that. And if God thought up the idea of families, well, maybe God's got the idea of how to do families, how we should do families. So why don't we let the Bible guide us in how we lead and how we do families? And so here in the month of October, we are going back to the Bible, and we're trying to figure out some basic principles about parenting and what the, how this relates to us. And the first two principles that we've been through the last couple of weeks, the first one was that uncommon families widen the circle of influence. Parents have the greatest influence in their kid's life, but you can't be the only influence. So we have to make intentional strides to widen the circle of influence, to bring more people in speaking truth into our kids' lives. Last week, we talked about this idea that uncommon families imagine the end, that we find not just, we worry not just about the day-to-day, -day, not just about what our kid's going to accomplish this week or next week, not what do I want my kid to do, but what do I want, who do I want my kid to become? And so we imagine the end, the goal, and we parent towards that. We parent towards those so that our kids can become the person that God designed them to be, that God made them to be, that God wants them to be. Well, this morning we go to principle number three, and it is simply uncommon families fight for the heart. Uncommon families fight for the heart. You know, most of us tend to parent the way we were parented. 
the way our parents did it. You often do, and you say the same things that your parents did and the same things your parents said. And even though you told yourself growing up, I am never going to be like my mom, you're just like your mom, aren't you? You do the same things she did. And one of the most obvious places where this happens is in the way that we deal with conflict. We fight the way our parents fought because that's what we saw that's what we learned growing up you tend to fight the same way your parents fight and you tend to have a, a fighting style with your kids that's similar to the same fighting style the way that you and your parents fought when you were growing up and you may think that the goal of a great family is to is to never fight you know it's just to sit around and hold hands and pray and sing and love each other and that's so far from the truth and you know it is that's not reality because fighting is inevitable the question is not if you will fight in your house the question is how you fight so let's talk about that for a little bit right now i'm going to introduce you to a couple of fighting styles i suspect that you're one of these there's more we could have, i could have done this all afternoon but the, the, i'm going to give you four fighting styles and i want you to try to identify your fighting style if you if one of these resonates with you just like mm, yeah that's me now listen this is important do not try to identify the fighting style of your spouse do not point them stand up and go that's you honey don't do that or because we don't need to deal with that fight in church all right so just try to identify your own fighting style and see see if any of these resonate with the way you fight at home the first one i'm going to call the iron man style remember iron man don't we one bullet would get the job done for Iron Man, but he's not going to do one bullet, is it? He's going to waste all the bullets. <laughs> now let's use all the bullets. Work the guy into the corner. Do not relent. Don't let up. Now, here's the way that many parents use this method. And this is you corner the child, and you just continually just let them have it. Do you know what you did? Do you know why that was wrong? Do you know how that, that was incorrect? Do you know what the effect is on your family? Do you see how stupid that was? Do you, do you, do you? And on and on and on and on it goes. It's the fireman, uh, the, the Iron Man style. And our kids are like, okay, Dad, I get it, I get it, I get it. No, you don't get it. Let me tell you again. And you've got more evidence, and you've got like an outline, and you've got a PowerPoint, and you've got charts and graphs for all the things, expert test testimony, all the things they did wrong, because you're going to let them have it, let them have it, let them have it, because we won't let them out of the corner. That's the Iron Man style. If that's you, I've got a Bible verse for you. Proverbs 10 says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. How about this fighting style? Some of you know this one. It's the Rocky Balboa. And your style is to just come out of the corner, swinging for the fences, to absolutely level somebody as quickly as possible. This is the person that screams and yells and throws things and kicks the cat and puts holes in the drywall and scares everybody half to death. This is your style. You're going to win, and you're going to win now. You want to fight? Oh, yeah, we're going to fight. Let's go. Let's have that fight. If that's you... Here's a Bible verse for you, Proverbs 11. Exploit or abuse your family and end up with a fistful of air. Common sense tells you it's a stupid way to live. How about this fighting style? Remember this guy, the karate kid. Remember the karate kid? This is the person that just sits there in the pose and lets the fight come to them. And they act like everything is fine, everything's copacetic, everything's easy. They listen to everything the other person has to say as they're screaming, as they're yelling, they're just sitting there taking it all in, but they aren't just listening, they're planning. And they're scheming, and they are thinking of all the things that they could say. 
and all they're looking for is that right perfect moment that right perfect sarcastic phrase to bring out at just the right time that will just be boom a kick right to the face like the karate kid and that's usually about something from somebody's past or something they wish you could forget or somebody says something about somebody's mama and it just absolutely just lays the person out if that's your style here's the bible verse for you proverbs 17 the start of a quarrel is like a leak in a dam to stop it before it bursts before you come out kicking with that sarcastic comment just Here's the fourth one. Some of you know this fighting style. I call it the Marie. Remember Marie from Everybody Loves Raymond, the mother from Everybody Loves Raymond? This is the person who thinks they can win the fight by being the victim. I'll show you how much you hurt me. Do you know how your actions have impacted me? How they made me feel? How they made your father feel? I heard a friend of mine told me that his mom, when she would do this, when he was growing up, that she would, she would cry and cry because of what the kids had done, and her mascara would run down her face, and she would leave it there all day. She would never go wash her face. And just that run of mascara would be all down her cheeks all day, all, as if to say, look how you made me feel all day long. It was like this. This is, I want to make you feel so guilty for what you've done to me. And listen, this is a total fighting style. And if that's your fighting style, here's a verse for you, 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Well, here's the thing I know about you and the thing I know about me. Regardless of what your fighting style is, you have one. And odds are, it's something that you learn growing up and odds are it's something that you're passing on to your kids or have already passed on to your kids. And the trick is to never leave the fight. The trick is to learn to fight about what's right. And that's what we're going to talk about today in our third principle, uncommon families fight for the heart. Now, if you've got a Bible with you today, we're going to be back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's near the beginning of your Bible. It'll be on the screen behind me. We're kind of walking through this passage in Deuteronomy 6 where Moses is addressing the children of Israel, the people of Israel. They've escaped from, from centuries of slavery in Egypt. They've now been wandering the promised land for about, four, or wandering the desert, the wilderness for about 40 years. They're about to enter into the promised land, this land that God has promised them through their ancestors. And they are on the cusp of going in. Moses knows he's about to die. He's giving his kind of farewell address to the community, to the, to the greater good. And he goes through this thing in, in, in chapters 5 and chapter 6 that we are walking through together because in this passage, he says so much to us about how we can, so much we can pull for how to have family ourselves, how we can do community in our, home, on our, in our homes. And the first thing that Moses does, and we talked about this last week, is Moses establishes a priority for how they're going to live their lives. And that's what's in verse 4. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. He's reminding them that the culture that they came from when they were in Egypt, the culture that they came from worshipped everything. They had a God for everything, a God of the sun and a God of the moon and a God of the river and a God of the livestock and a God of the bugs, a God of everything. And Moses says, we're not going to do that anymore. That's not the way we roll anymore. We have one God, and our one God is the God the creator God, and he's the one that created everything, and he's the one that we are going to follow. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. He is number one priority, number one. 
And then Moses says, our relationship with this God, our understanding of how we relate to God, how we communicate with God, how we engage with God is about to change. And everything that we're about to experience hinges on the next thing that he says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Now this would have been revolutionary to these, these ancient people standing there at the cusp of the promised land. Now you probably, you and I, you, you've heard a version of this, of this verse before. You've heard, you've heard something similar to this before. But for them, thousands of years before Jesus, this was brand new to them. They had never thought about God like this before. You see, they'd always seen their engagement with God as someone to be obeyed, kind of like a, a ruler and a slave. And God is to be feared, and God is to be obeyed, and God is to be appeased, and God is to be kept happy so that God doesn't bring his wrath on us. That's the engagement with God. And Moses is saying, I know that in the past, God has been someone that we have been afraid of, someone that must be obeyed. But now you need to see that God is also someone we can love. Their minds would have blown up. Love? He's the master, we're the slave. We, we don't, that's not love. And Moses is like, I know in the past God made promises, and he proved himself to be true. He kept these promises. And though you thought at one time God was just something to be feared, you need to know now, because of the way we've seen him work, because of his faithfulness to us, because we've seen him keep his promises in the past, that God is not just God to be feared, God is a God to be loved. God is not just a God to be obeyed, because we have to. God is a God to be Loved. In other words, this arrangement that we thought we had from God where, where God was the master and we are the slave, ruler to slave, master to slave, has now changed. It's no longer ruler to slave. Now the relationship between us and God, the way we engage with God, Moses is telling the people, and by the way, this is still important to you and me today, the way we engage with God is no longer ruler to slave. It is now father to child. Because God is a God to be loved and yes god is a god to be obeyed and yes god must be feared but the most important thing is he is to be loved because love always comes before obedience well fast forward about 1500 years and god puts on skin and is born in a manger in Bethlehem and walks among us, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus tells us the very same thing. There was this period of time back then, uh, there were these religious leaders, we call them the Pharisees. And the Pharisees had taken God's commandments, God's rules, the Ten Commandments, 
that God had given us, and they gotten so obsessed with obeying God and keeping the Ten Commandments that they added to them about 613 more commandments and rules to help them keep the original Ten Commandments. So they wouldn't break the Ten. They had 613 more rules so they didn't break the Ten Simple Rules. And then they would sit around and fight with each other about the rules. They would sit around and argue about which one of these 613 rules, which one's the most important. They had shifted back from this idea of God being a father and we are his children. They had shifted it back because of trying to keep all these rules. They had shifted the relationship back to ruler, slave. And now Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus is saying all this stuff, and Jesus seems to know what he's talking about, and so they ask him, all right, teacher, all right, guy who seems to be in like this with God, tell us, of all these rules, of all these commandments, which one is the greatest? Which one do you think is the greatest? And Jesus reminds them of the true priority. Look how Jesus responds in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God. We just read this from from Deuteronomy. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That doesn't sound like much of a rule, does it? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind? That doesn't sound like a rule. Jesus is talking, taking a rule about behavior and turning it into an issue of the heart. What Jesus is saying is, Love always comes before obedience. So here's how this interacts with all of us as family members. If we want to pass a legacy to those in your family, the best way to do that is not legislatively through rules and regulations. And The best way to do that is through relationships. Because love always comes before obedience. So here's how this impacts our fighting styles, what we kind of talked about at the beginning. There are really two choices that we make here about how we fight. And for most of us, every time we fight, we choose this style. Number one, we choose to fight with each other about something. We fight about some thing. And you know what we fight about the most? The rules. Same thing those Pharisees fought about with each other. Mostly we fight about rules. There are things that we continue to fight about, whether your kid is 2 or 22 or somewhere else, we fight about the rules. And as our kids get older, and as they start to gain some independence, and they start to try to push away, which they're supposed to do, they're supposed to begin to break those apron strings, so to speak, they have more and more independence they also get more and more rules right there's rules about what they eat and there's rules about where they go and there's rules about the car and there's rules about the cell phone and there's all this kind of stuff and we keep adding to these rules because we want to keep our hands on our kids we want to keep them kind of in control we want to keep them safe we want to make sure they're making good choices we're trying to minimize pain in their lives but we always fight about the rules just think about this past week the arguments you had with your kids were probably about some thing. And that something was probably a rule. The argument you had yesterday, the arguments that some of you had in the car on the way to church today, they are about something, typically a rule. Now, rules are needed. 
Rules are necessary. Rules are important. Rules need to be obeyed. Rules have to be there in order for our kids to have boundaries. Our kids need boundaries. But typically, that's where we stop. It's just focused on the rule, the legislation. We just focus on the rule. And when we do that, as parents, at least this parent, I can get so myopic about the rule that I miss the big picture. And what happens is we turn into police officers always checking the rules, always checking the text messages, checking the Snapchat photos, checking the Live 360, checking the mileage on the car, checking the curfews, checking the bedtimes. Not that those things don't need to be looked at, not that those boundaries don't need to be there, but if that's all we're focused on, we will always fight about something, and that something will be, most often, be a rule. And inevitably, somewhere along the line, we move from police officer this is probably where my oldest daughter thinks I am right now, to third world dictator. And we're getting more and more rules to try to keep our kids basically from growing up and becoming independent and leaving. This is what Jesus ran into with the Pharisees back there in Matthew 22. This is what he was dealing with. This is what Jesus dealt with with these guys who were so focused on the rules. And which of these 613 rules do we need to keep? They would sit and fight with themselves and argue with themselves and make themselves feel more important than they were because they were keeping the rules. And as they're so focused on the rules, Jesus comes in and says, guys, you're missing it. You're missing the whole point. The rules are not the relationship. The rules are there to enhance the relationship. Most of us tend to choose a style that is to fight with each other about something. But let me offer a different option today. What if you choose to fight for someone instead of about something? In other words, uncommon families don't just fight about rules. They fight for the heart of their kids. They fight about the things that matter, not just the rules. They fight for their kids. Here's what this means. When you're fighting with your kids, you change your focus from don't break this rule to this is my prayer for you to, this is what my prayer is for you to become this is what I'm trying to teach you to become it's like what we talked about last week it's not the successes our, our kids do it's not the achievements they do it's who they become because they're going to take who they become goes with them into every new part of their life every activity every achievement that they will create we are fighting for who they are becoming and it may just sound like a tweak in words, maybe it is just semantics, but what it does is it changes the goal. And it's bigger now, it's bigger than just don't break my rule. It's bigger than you will do what I say. It's bigger than don't you dare defy me. It's bigger than kneel before me, you must respect my authority. It's bigger than all that. It's bigger than bowing up in the ring. It's about, I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to do this. Think about the things that everybody fights about, common things in a home, bedtimes, curfews. Instead of just, don't break those because I said so, now in your mind it becomes, I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to be in bed by this time. What's best for you is to be home by this time because I'm fighting for you, not against you, but I'm fighting for you and who you are becoming. Our kids are desperately trying to figure out, does anybody care what I do? If I step outside the boundaries, will anyone notice? And boundaries 
and consequences tell them, I'm fighting for you. I want what's best for you. You know, the only thing, really, the only thing we have for our kids, with our kids, is influence. We, we talked about this with these beads a couple weeks ago. That's what we have the most of, is influence. And those that we get to influence, it's only, we only get to influence them because of a relationship. And that relationship is only there because love is greater than obedience. So let me try to get practical with it. Those, those of you, especially who still have kids in, in, at home right now, let me try to get practical. What does this mean on a day-to-day basis for us as parents? Let me give you a couple things that, that I'm learning, <laughs> not well sometimes, the things that I'm learning that I, I don't always get these right, but things that, things that help us begin to understand what it means to truly fight for the heart, what it means to fight not just about something but for someone. And here's my, my first little piece of advice, from, you know, free advice from Uncle Larry, I like to say. Be clear with your kids. Be clear about rules and consequences. See, the further you can get out in front of some things and you say, you know what, all right, here's the rule. You're going to have choices. You're going to make choices. Here's the rule. And if you choose to break this rule, here are the consequences for that. Guess what? They are going to break the rule at some point because they're kids, and every kid is like eight seconds away from a really bad decision. They are going to break the rule at some point, and then the consequence comes into play. And because it was set beforehand, it's about you and your child dealing with the consequences together. Rather than you just like hammering these consequences down on, now you're walking through this with them. It's about you sitting down with them and going, I know this stinks. I know, I know it's hard to be grounded for two weeks. I know it's awful that you lost your car privileges. Trust me, it stinks for me too because I got to drive you around everywhere now. I know that's awful. I get that. That's awful. And what you're teaching in that moment is when they grow up and they're independent and they leave your house, and they have to deal with consequences in the real world, you're a safe person they can talk to. You can walk through those consequences with them because you've already done that, just like you were with the ones at home, even though you're the one who created the consequences. You are teaching them, I will walk with you through this rather than I bring this on you because you dare disobey me. Here's the second one. We'll stop here. You have to be intentional to fight for the heart. That's kind of the theme today. You have to be intentional to fight for the heart. We fight for a lot of things for our kids, but often we don't think about fighting for what's going on inside their heart. Again, Jesus is the perfect example of this. Think back, back to the way that Jesus dealt with these Pharisees. These guys that were always fighting with, the, with each other about the rules, trying to keep the rules. It changed the, the nature of the relationship between God and uh, us and God's from, back from father-child to, to, to ruler-slave. Think about how Jesus fought with them. And even though they tried to trick Jesus, they tried to, to, to hurt Jesus, they tried to harm Jesus. How did Jesus model this with them? Jesus let them crucify him. And in that moment, he said, Father, forgive them. Even at the end, Jesus was still fighting for the heart. And that's what we'll do as well. We'll fight for the hearts of our kids. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for fighting for us. For sticking your, your, your proverbial neck out for us. By sending Jesus to this planet to walk among us. To experience what we experience and then to go to a cross for us, fighting for us, for our hearts, 
for our lives, our soul. God, as, as parents and as leaders and as grandparents, teach us to fight for the heart of our kids. Teach us to, to pursue, what, help, them, help our kids pursue who you want them to be, who they are becoming. Father, now as we turn to a time of communion, as we focus our attention upon the cross of Calvary, as we, as we consider the body and the blood of Jesus broken and shed for us, as we eat and drink these emblems, Father, remind us how every, every moment of the reason that Jesus came from his birth to his death to his resurrection to his ascension to his coming again is all about fighting for us. So we, we drink these emblems today knowing that we have a God who loves, a God we can love, a father, not just a ruler, but a father. And we're grateful to be your children. Pray in the name of Jesus.